Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Thanks for listening to Drunken PM Radio. In this episode, I'm going to be talking to Jennifer Green and Andrew Stellman, who are the authors of a number of books about software development, project management, and Agile. And in this episode, we're going to focus on their brand new book, Headfirst Agile, which is a great explanation of some of the leading kind of practices in the Agile space. And if you're preparing for the PMI ACP exam, it's also a great resource you can turn to. Uh, one thing I should mention before you start listening to the interview is due to some unforeseen and unavoidable Skype challenges, we unfortunately lost Jenny in the back half of the last question or so, so you will only hear Andrew at the end. But if you'd like to get in touch with Andrew or Jenny to follow up with questions about their book or just software development in general, you can find them on their website, stellman-green.com, and that's S-T-E-L-L-M-A-N dash G-R-E-E-N-E.com. Uh, you can also find Andrew on Twitter at, at Andrew Stellman, and you can find Jenny on Twitter at, at Jenny Green. And there will be links to their Twitter uh, and their website in the show notes for the podcast. And you can find their books on the O'Reilly site or Amazon or their website, uh, pretty much anywhere you can pick up books about software development. That's it. I hope you'll enjoy the interview. Thanks. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Drunken PM Radio. You're probably listening to this on projectmanagement.com. So I'd like to thank them, as always, for being a sponsor of this podcast. Today, we're going to focus all on Agile and a brand new book by Andrew Stellman and Jenny Green out called Head First Agile. This is published by O'Reilly. It looks very different than the O'Reilly books that I'm used to. All the ones that I have are all just text. But there's lots of really cool stuff in here. So thank you both for taking time out of your evening for this. Thank, thank you. you. Um, so before we dig into the book, uh, Jenny, do you want to talk a little bit about your background and then Andrew, you can go second and that way folks will get to know a little bit about the work that you both do. Sure. Um, I've been developing software for, uh, I guess a little over 20 years, which is a lot of time. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, started out, uh, in test and then, uh, went on to, uh, development and project management and then, when Agile methodologies uh, really started taking steam, I started uh, working with teams um, adopting and using Agile practices. And now I lead a large transformation for a large uh, uh, technology company. Okay, cool. And Andrew? Yeah, sure. So, I, um, so I've, I've been programming since I was a kid. Um, I studied computer science at Carnegie Mellon and then started working as a developer, then moved into more of sort of an engineering lead and then manager role. Um, that's when Jenny and I first met back in the 90s uh, when I was managing a uh, dev team and she was managing a QA team. Um, uh, these days, I am doing a lot of uh, consulting and training and spent a lot of time, still a lot of my time developing. I'm, I'm uh, working with a really fantastic team in a large financial services firm right now. Okay. And obviously, we spent a lot of time writing. Yeah, you guys yeah. have written a bunch of books, right? Yeah, six or so. Man, that's a Something lot like of that. Work. And these aren't, this is a huge book. I mean, it's like, what, an inch thick? I mean, it's pretty big. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's, it's really well organized. So um, the book focuses on Agile, and we'll talk about how it relates to people that are interested in the ACP exam in a few minutes. But one of the things I thought was so interesting in the beginning of the book, after all the brain science stuff is explained, and they talk about how the book is organized the way it is, which is also very interesting. You guys explain who should not read this book or who it's not for. So I'm, I kind of wanted to start out with that. Who is this not intended to be read by? So there's some people who are more comfortable reading like a, uh, a, a kind of an owner's manual or a, um, or a technical manual than something that's, that's aimed at really helping you learn. 
um, there are some people who just see pictures and, and it just triggers something, they hate it. And also people who just hate working on teams. I think that's the biggest one. Um, there's some people who just are, you know, kind of a lone wolf who basically wants to put their headphones on and never, ever wants to talk to another human being ever. And, um, and that's, you know, that's not really how modern software is developed. If you go to any, any really effective software team, yeah. um, they, they, they got this huge multiplier effect by having a lot of people working together. So not just in software, but in, in any place where people work together. Yeah. Um, that's really who the book's not for. Honestly, it's not just that you're not going to like this book. You're just not going like to. You're agile. not going to work well. Yeah, you're not going to work. Agile is about people working together more effectively. Yeah. Okay. So who is it for then? And, and I'm going to get to a specific question related to this thing. But who who do you want to read this book? Who did you write it for? So for us, I think when we were learning about agile years ago, you know, we we came to it um, kind of from the practices and, and, and then, and then the principles, like, you know, encountering the practices and then kind of understanding what was motivating them later. And I think that, it, I think we, we think that everyone who kind of approaches this stuff, if they approach it with the principles up front, then the practices make a lot more sense. So okay. we kind of, uh, we, we think that anybody who's developing software should benefit from reading this book. Um, but we also think that, it's an approach that um, not everybody takes. A lot of times, you know, when when you learn about agile and agile practices, folks tend to focus on and here are the ceremonies and here are the things, and maybe they talk about the values a little bit or they talk about the principles a little bit, but they tend to skip over that stuff because it feels remedial to folks. Yeah. And I think for us, it really kind of tempers why you do the things you do and why it's okay to make some modifications and other modifications break the whole thing. So okay. that that's what I think we were really trying to go for. Okay. Would you agree with that, Andrew? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's um, one of our all-time favorite people, uh, Mike Cohn, who wrote some of the foundational work on Apple, um, who is also uh, – who also has given us some really, really positive feedback about 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 Head First Agile. Um, one of the things he points out is like, you know, back in the early 2000s, I, I know Jenny and I have been using Agile stuff since we were working together in the late 90s. Back back when things like things like Scrum back and XP were beginning. really new. Yeah, yeah. Uh, back before it was called Agile, um, when we were just talking about lightweight coming to it from from kind of a more waterfall uh, orientation, um, and and. One of the things that you know Mike points out is that these early agilists kind of argued over what was more important, principles or practices. They're still arguing and, about that. <laughs> and the thing is, like you know, they, I think it's a, a it's a funny argument to have. You know, like Jenny said, we come from a heavily practice-oriented background. Um, if you read our you know, you read our first book, uh, Applied Software Project Management. It's all about, really about project management and quality engineering practices. Yeah. Except that, except that it's, you know, the very first thing we talk about in that book is that, that you have to have, be on a team, you know, the, the, before you can even get things working, you need a team that, that where people respect each other and they trust each other and that, uh, and that they listen to each other. Even the senior people will listen to the junior people because good ideas come from everywhere. I feel like what, what really, uh, what really triggered, what really helped me out was um, when we were doing research for Beautiful Teams. We spent, and not to go over our whole history of books here. That's not what I'm meaning to do here. It's just that <laughs> you got to get we, the plug we, in, man. There's no shame in that. Well, it, 
Honestly, it's not even about. This really isn't about the plug. It's it's really about the. Uh, and I, I totally get it, but it's um, but it's it's more about um the process there. You know, that book was um, that book that was the research for that was us interviewing dozens and dozens and dozens of people from the most junior people to like CTOs of giant corporations. Um, and and you know, after doing all this research for beautiful teams, we were doing this talk. It was a joint talk between New York Spin and. Uh, PMI New York. Okay. Uh, and we afterwards, one of uh, one of one of our favorite, <laughs> another one of our favorite people, Patricia Ensworth, came up to us. Uh, she had written a story for Beautiful Teams, and she she pointed out that um, one of the things we talked about was that that yes, there's practices and there's principles, but you know, built into each practice is the principles are kind of embedded there, and doing the practice helps you understand the principle. Um, and if you don't really have the principle in mind, then it makes the practice not work very well. So if you don't really, if you don't really have like, um, you know, if you don't have things like trust or respect or commitment, then practices focused around self-organization, things like a daily scrum yeah. or retrospective, they're just not going to work as well. You get that cargo said, wow, cult that... thing going on where people are just doing it without knowing why. That's exactly right. Um, and and when she came up to us afterwards, that was. That was a great insight. I was like, wow, okay. Well, it's, that registers for someone who registers with somebody who really knows this stuff. I feel like that, that kind of kicked us off on, this, on, on where we felt like we were, were going with Agile and, and kind of understanding with practices and principles. Yes, you need the principles to get the practices, but a really, really great way to understand those, practice, understand those principles is to start doing the practices that they're kind of embedded in. Yeah. Right, right. You're like kind of fake it till you make it, right? Like you, you just, um, the, the interesting thing that we kind of came to it with was that people tend to kind of approach this stuff from a very kind of role-centric perspective, you know? Um, if you're a tester, you look for practices that have to do with testing. Yeah. If you're a, you know, if you're a developer, you look for practices that have to do with development and, and you end up with kind of these very fractured perspectives, of you know, a bunch of people approaching kind of agile with a, a very different mindset because of their functional roles, you know, prior to, to doing this stuff. So thinking about it in that perspective and then saying, Hey, once you understand the whole thing and you under, you know, kind of those roles fall away and it yeah. doesn't really, it, it doesn't really kind of stack up in that way. Um, you know, we, we did a talk around that, which was kind of the precursor for our learning agile book. And then the, le the learning agile book kind of led us into head first agile, because as, as we finished learning agile, we realized, Hey, we could do this very visually and it would be interesting to folks. Well, and you guys did a great job with the story, the kind of the narrative situational stuff that's going on in the book, explaining all that and how different people come to it with different mindsets and things like that. Um, yeah. One of the things I was thinking when you started talking about it was a friend of mine who uh, is highly placed within an organization that certifies a lot of project managers that recently put out a practice guide around Agile. Um told me that they had read it and they felt like, I mean, there's somebody who knows about Agile, but they're not like an Agile, like that's not their thing. And they told me that they felt like you really had to already understand Agile before you came to the Agile practice guide. Um, oh, okay. And I'm wondering if somebody, if they're just kind of getting their feet, if, if, if they come to this book, if they're not so team averse, like if there's somebody who's open to that idea, trying to get their head around Agile, do you, do you both feel like this is going to give them 
a solid foundation? Because you do co- you cover a lot of stuff and you cover it really well. Absolutely. So uh, a friend of mine is actually the general counsel at a software company. Okay. Um, she joined. She's uh, she's an attorney. She doesn't have an engineering background, and she joined the company relatively recently. Um, and the company, um, what they actually build is uh, is in the sort of the uh, virgin control arena. Okay. And so I, you know, I actually gave her gave her an early draft of it, and and I visited her office recently, and she had the thing printed out. It was a PDF of an yeah. early draft, and she printed it out, and um, and she said it was really valuable to her to understand what the people around her were doing. And if, you know, if you know anything about, about, uh, about how, how legal stuff works, actually understanding what it is that people do is, is actually really valuable. So it, it's, um, so from, from the perspective of somebody who's trying to understand just even how their organization functions with no engineering background at all, she found it valuable and readable. You know, it's funny. It's, 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 it's hard to write a book. It's a, it's easier to, it's a lot easier to write a book that's, that's really technical. It's aimed at a sophisticated office uh, audience um, it's hard to write a book that is aimed at uh, at somebody who who you can't really assume. You can assume they know. They can you can assume they're smart. You can assume yeah. they know things, but you can't assume they know something in particular. Well, and that's what we really that was the that was that was why this book took took a long time to write. There's a lot of work specifically trying to get our heads into the into the mindset of of um, you know that space of what is. What is somebody who doesn't know about this going to think? Yeah. And how can we answer? How can we pre-answer the questions they're going to run into? So that was one of the things about it also that stuck out for me because you know in terms of an ACP book, um, I have another one, another very popular one that I think is really great, but it is very fairly technical and it goes really deep, like much deeper on some stuff that I needed when I took the test. Um, but I think if you didn't have a background that included a lot of lean stuff and a lot of agile stuff, some of it might kind of leave you behind. And I thought that one of the, I think one of the great things that you've done is you've made this very, very digestible um, for somebody, you know, for people that are new to it. Because I'm always reading it like, what are, what are the people in my classes going to think when they come to this if they've not seen this before? Um, you've done a great job with that, making it really easy. Thank you. So let's talk a little bit about the ACP exam. And and how you've gone about preparing for this because this book has two purposes, right? It's like an intro. To, it's it, not an intro, but a better explanation of agile, a deeper explanation of agile. But it's also can be used as a pre, as prep materials for the PMI ACP, correct? Yeah, yeah, that's one of the one of the goals. I would say it's the secondary goal of the book, but yeah. Okay, so how would you clarify the first goal then? The first goal of the book to me is to is to explain uh, agile and and the three most popular methodologies that are out there in in a way that people are going to understand how they fit together and how they are different from each other. Okay, cool. All right. So with and, and you, oh, go ahead. when we did head first PMP, we took this kind of radical approach to studying for the PMP exam, which was that we're going to teach you project management, and we're just going to use terms and ideas that you will cover on the test. And then we'll, then we'll just have a little, you know, some bit at the end to, to get that last, you know, the last mile between the material we've covered and the, act, and, and, and the actual uh, exam. Yeah. Um, and we were lucky because when we wrote that book, the PMP exam had been, had been around for, uh, I think, about a decade. So it had matured to the point where it really was a very good reflection of good, solid project management practices. So we could take that approach and 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 teach project management in a way that made sense, and then 
in a way that also prepared you for the exam. And we took that same approach with, with the PMIACP certification. Basically, um, and in fact, the first, it would have been harder with the, um, with the first version. I feel like that speaks really highly of the folks at PMI who worked on the exam. Because you, know, you can't get everything right the first time. They took an iterative approach. Yeah. They, did it, they did the best they could. And then they, then they put it out there. And then they made really, really effective changes. And when you look at the, um, when you look at the, when we looked at the updated version that came out in, uh, I believe it was the end of 2014, was yeah. the, uh, was the updated, uh, yeah, then we looked at this and we kind of looked at each other and we said, okay, we can do this. You know, we, we weren't sure, you know, we, we had started head first agile by that point. Um, we just, it was just starting to kick around. Yeah. Um, we weren't a hundred percent sure if we could do it. And then as soon as we saw that and we saw what they, we said, okay, this is doable. But we actually didn't take the exam until we'd written the first five or six chapters, first five chapters of the draft of the six. Okay. Yeah. Um, you know, it's really nerve wracking because there's a lot on the line. It's not just the it's not just the exam. It's 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 kind of a bit of a professional embarrassment if you fail it the first time after I've written having written this material, but also there's a lot of stress because you're like it's not just the the certification that the exam is on the line, but do we have to completely rewrite the whole book? Do we have to do com- yeah. Totally changed the approach. We took it. We passed. I don't know. Is that that's about? What do you think, Jenny? Does that sound about right? Yeah, and I think like, that. I mean, taking the exam the way that we did, it was interesting because we the prep guide that that they gave out wasn't really a prep guide for the first version of the PMIACP. It was kind of a list of it was like a list of giant things. books. Or, yeah, like five thousand yeah, right. dollars worth of books they wanted you to read. Yeah, and so, we and we read we ahead. read them. You did. And, you read all of them because I just looked some of that oh, yeah. stuff up in Wikipedia. Yeah. I took the I took it like the pilot, and um, I mean I'm a little ashamed to say it, but I literally some of those things if I didn't know what they were, I looked them up in Wikipedia and I passed the test. Oh um, wow! It was really broad and really shallow, and like the stuff that I knew, I just felt like they weren't going deep anywhere. Um, but I like that you guys have gone a lot deeper with some of that stuff in this book. So I'm, I'm assuming it's changed since you've taken it more recently. Definitely. And, yeah. and one of the things we noticed, and I, this is something I was actually kind of impressed with, um, it's definitely not an easy exam, but they really focus on situational, like it's a very situationally focused exam. Okay. So that it's, if you are an agile practitioner and you're in this situation, some, this thing happened, what do you do next? Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of questions like that. And what we found was that if they, they wrote those questions in such a way that if you understand, if you understand Scrum, if you understand XP, if you understand Lee and Kanban, then you can put yourself in those situations and you can actually reason your way and think your way through them. And that's what we proved out by writing the bulk of the book first and then taking the exam. Um, that said, we actually did have somebody who used our exam, our book as a sole material to study and the, and he passed as well. So, um, um, and, and we've, then we've been able to repeat that experiment since then. Um, so you've so got we, enough we, coverage of the blueprint to, for somebody to be able to use this as their source. Oh, 100%. We, we made sure to have hundred percent coverage. Okay. Um, yeah. But, um, what was nice was that we were able to, um, we were able to get to like 90% of the coverage more than that okay. um, of, of, of the material just by covering um, the basics of Agile, you know, the Agile Manifesto, Scrum, XP, Lean, Kanban. And then we just, then in the very tail end, we could, we could have like a chapter that a pre, that's focused on exam prep, focused on the actual exam specification and 
and help fill in the, the, the remaining the remaining things that that we didn't cover. But it wasn't that much because what they did was they did a really good job now of, with their update of targeting the, the the stuff that people actually do in the real world that's worth covering in a book that isn't the PMIACP. Okay. So I want to ask you guys sort of a weird question. Um, I've always felt like it's really hard for a PMP to learn about Agile because you have to let go of basically everything that you've forced into your head and change your whole value system. Um, in a couple of days, I'm going to be at a conference that's a much younger project management crowd. And a lot of them have never done traditional project management. And maybe they've just come into Agile. You think it's harder for an Agile person to learn traditional or harder the other way around? So I'm going to disagree a little bit with your premise. Okay. I think, I think really good project managers, I'm not talking about ones who are really good at passing an exam. I'm talking yeah, about yeah. ones who are really Actual good at managing projects in the real world. Yeah. People like they, there is, they'll look at agile if it's explained well, and if it's done right, and they'll say, okay, I see the truth in that. Like it makes sense. Um, I think that what happens is when you have a project manager who especially, you know, what I've found is when you talk to people who are in years like five to 10 of their career, where they're really heavily practice focused and they're trying to stay there, they're saying, okay, this is how you run projects. I've got these templates. I've got these practices. I've got these processes. I'm in control. Yeah. <laughs> and it, yeah. Right. And, and, then, and then something magic happens around 10, 10 years in when you, you open your eyes and you're like, whoa. I'm not in control. <laughs> I'm an idiot. And I don't know like, anything. There's 10, yeah. And there's 10 different ways you could do it. There's a hundred ways you could do any of these things. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I feel like once you, when you're there, then at, like, if you're in that, if you're in that, uh, so the uncanny Valley, the of, child uh, mind state. Yeah. Jenny, what do you think? That's, I mean, that's an interesting way to, I mean, it's kind of like Shuhari, right? That you're yeah. kind of saying, exactly. but you're saying that you, you kind of go through that you kind of go through that no matter what methodology you're using if you if you're really you know learning the the practice or learning the uh the the skill of being good at at, at delivering software right and right. i i do think that's true that, that that the more kind of open you are to treating it as a skill the more kind of open you are to um to to whatever method is is presented Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. And, and considering that that agile is finding its way out of software and into like if you look at you know there's been some real interesting work done in agile in, in the construction industry. Um, there's a reason that there is increasingly an increasing agile focus at PMI outside of just the PMI ACP domain because it's 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 really influencing a lot of industries and I think we're just starting to see that. I think that's when when I see people who are not in the software industry yeah. read our books and especially read Headfirst Agile and give us feedback that that it really clicked with them. That's when I that's when I see that there's a real future out there um for for a lot of these ideas. The industry has really hit on something that I think is really starting to resonate. And I feel like that with experienced project managers um I guess my advice to people who are project managers who are having trouble with it is Try to find the truth in it, and you'll start to see how it will it will help your own projects, even if you're not in an agile environment. You know, there's a lot of things in there that you can really you can use to make your own your own projects run better and your life easier. Okay. I think we actually say in the book, if it seems like it's not common sense, like you know, if you find yourself doing something that seems like it's like not useful, then it's probably not right, right? Like if you're if you're doing yeah. something. That 
highly bureaucratic and time wasting, then you're then you probably need to think differently about the practice. Yeah, and pro- I agree completely. That's one of the things to me. I always say to people when I'm teaching them scrum is like if you just forgot about waterfall and agile and just did the the smart thing to do. Right. Nine times out of ten, it's probably going to be more in sync with agile than it is with a whole process that's meant to kind of control the unknowns and, and the fear and the risks and everything. That's right. Yeah, especially Denny, your point about bureaucratic and time wasting. I mean, that's that's yeah. because that's what really that's the thing that turns people. As soon as people, the bureaucratic and time wasting light goes on, people's brains go off. You know, from an organizational perspective, that that's that's a difficult one because you need some bureaucracy for organizations to work. So I wasn't so, going to go to this next question, but now that you just said that, I'm going to go to this next question. <laughs> um, what about the PMO? I well, I mean, I mean, are they you know, dead men ways- walking, or do you think that there is a way for them to maintain relevancy in an agile organization? I think there's oh, I- absolutely a way for them to maintain relevancy, but I think that 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 where they need to focus is is maybe not as much on controlling execution okay. as, in, as in kind of understanding, you know, the full benefit that, that a project is bringing to, to the company that, that's working there. So, that, I mean, that, it's, that, that is sponsoring it. Like being okay. able to show the whole picture um, of how, how a piece of software is kind of envisioned and is kind of realizing its value, being able to, you know, help an organization understand what is most valuable of the work that's being done there. That's a real, that's a real role within okay. a company. I don't know that most PMOs traditionally have focused on that, but I think that if they did, they would have a very big place in, in an agile organization. Okay. Oh, absolutely. And, and um, you know, one of the things that both of us have been focusing on just in our own careers over the last couple of years is scaling Agile up to larger organizations. I know. Oh, uh, what's Denny's your flavor? Doing, Do you have a preference? Well, um, I, well it's funny. I um, for those those people who read our books, well, shouldn't be surprised that, we, that I, I take a very um, a, a secular approach. There's some basic principles behind these things. The idea that dependencies loosely couple your teams together and that you get together to plan out those dependencies and understand how they impact each other, sync up your uh, iteration. These are, these are things that, that are kind of universal to scaling Agile. Yeah. What I've seen, what I find is, is, is with the PMO, there's so much to build on there. Um, and it, exactly what Danny said, it, it starts with giving up this idea that you can control everything and learning what levers you can pull. And yeah. also learning about, about how organizations grow and change, especially when you, when, you, when you look at the kind of the barriers that organizations face and project management organizations face. Um, the role of the PMO gets, gets harder because the, the, the stakes get bigger. They're, they're, the people expect teams, they're starting to expect teams to function better together. And learning how to coordinate rather than control yeah. is, is something that, that's an area that I think that um, a PMO and an agile organization can make a huge, huge difference. And again, it just gets back to what we were talking about at the very beginning of this, which is mindset. They have to have the right mindset. They have to have the right, right attitude towards it. It's, you know, give, give up command and control start to look for coordination and dependencies and being open to more change and things like that of their role exactly. and their place in the organization. Okay. So what was, I mean, what for you, when you, when you're thinking about all the different agile stuff, what is the most dynamic part, like aspect of agile? Or what is the thing that you find the most challenging 
to stay current with that you think is just so dynamic? This is the one we all have to be focused on and paying attention to right now. Um, right now, I feel like there's a, there's still a lot of depths to be plumbed in in how Lean and Kanban work and how you can use those. So you think a lot? You think a lot of people are going to move away from Scrum towards Kanban? No, no, no. I think ju- I think okay. just the opposite. So you know, treating Kanban as a way of a way of experimentally improving your the way you do your work. Okay. Um, one final question. So, what if people want to get in, co- in contact with you, Andrew? What's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, you can uh, go to stellman-green.com. Okay. Um, uh, or just put our names on the internet, well, into into the Googles, and they'll uh, something good will come back. Yeah, all right, so I'll put links to Twitter and all that other stuff in here, so they can just follow it in show notes. Okay, cool, dude. Thanks a lot for taking time out for this, and good luck with the book. Thank you. Thanks. I appreciate all your feedback, and yeah, thanks a lot, man. Cool.